So this morning, uh, we've been in a series called uh, Family Matters because family matters. Family matters. Family really matters. But sometimes we can have different matters in the family, and sometimes we have matters in the family that don't matter, but we do sometimes have things that do matter. And uh, to define that this morning, we are going to talk about family matters. And the title of my message this morning is... D-T-R, define the relationship. Do we have any single people here? Raise your hand if you're a single people. It's, it's not, it's, there's no catch. I'm not going to make you come preach or nothing. <laughs> I used to be a single people before I was a married people. And uh, I don't know, if, uh, have you ever had... Uh, been dating somebody years ago, like when I would date somebody, after you date them for a few times, they'd always want to have the talk. Like, let's define the relationship. And they would want, they always used the L word. You know what I'm saying? Like, do you love me? And I'm like, oh yeah, I love you. I love you. And they're like, not like that. But after we'd have the define the relationship talk, I would always find a reason to leave. <laughs> Until I found Darla. And then I was like, Darla, we need to have a conversation. <laughs> In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, it's a very, very, very important scripture for our message today. I have been uh, keenly aware of the necessity for this message this morning. And I want to have a DTR talk with y'all. Everybody say, okay. okay. <laughs> I want to define the relationship this morning. And, and uh, in Luke chapter 9, 23, it says this. It says, if anyone. Everybody say, anyone. anyone. If anyone would come after me. Anyone means anyone. He must deny himself. Take up his cross daily, everybody say daily, daily, and follow me. It's not a thing that we do, we take up the cross weekly. It's not a thing that we take up the cross monthly or bi-monthly. It's not that we take up the cross yearly or on Christmas or Easter. I just throw that in. But we take up his cross daily. daily. Thank you. There's a, name, there's a man named Charlie Moore. Him and his family moved into a community, and there's, there's a, they were new in the community. They were having kind of a rough time trying to meet people, and so Charlie decides that he's going to get on a, a, a softball team and try to get to make some friends. So he got on this team, and it was the first game of the season, and Charlie's the first one up to bat, and, and the, the pitcher pitches a pitch to him, and Charlie swings at the pitch, and he misses the ball by a mile. And everybody in the bleachers, they're, they're going, oh, you know, the, the sigh you know, that you dreadfully hear, want to hear. But a voice came from the bleachers, that's okay, Mr. Moore, you've got this. And so he swings and winds up striking out and everybody, oh, you know, kind of a deal. And he feels real bad and he's, he's driving home. He's got his family in the car. He said, man, that was really tough. He said, I, I heard one voice from every time I'd mess up, there was one voice from the, the bleachers that said, that's okay, Mr. Moore, you've got that. That was so encouraging to me. And he, he said, to his son, he said, you know what? That sounded a lot like you. Was that you that said that? And the son was like, well, yeah, dad, that was me. And he goes, well, why did, why did you call me Mr. Moore? He's like, well, I just didn't want anybody to know I was related to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Well, what's interesting about that is sometimes when it comes to Jesus, if we're not in church, we're out there in the world and we're full of, uh, we got a lot of people looking at who we are. And what we're, if we're not careful, we're not sure if we want people really to know that we're related to Jesus. Even at the point where we define this relationship and will not ever push what we know off on anybody because we don't want to ever offend anybody. But let me tell you something. We need to have this talk today. And some of y'all, uh, it's like, it's like, if you're right now, if you're getting the fight or flight feeling right now, it's like, it's like, you fight for sticking around because this message is going to be something that I really honestly believe we all, including myself, we all need to hear this. Jesus points out that there's a difference between people he would call followers. You see, a lot of people write a lot of books about leading. I don't read hardly any books about following except the Bible. The Bible always talks about following, and if we want to be good leaders, I would say if you want to be a good leader, first you must learn how to, yeah. So what happens is we have to talk about whether we are followers of Jesus or if we're just kind of like fans. Are we a follower or are we a, a fan? Fans are folks that go to church some and however they have other pressing priorities, they are willing to shout, uh, you can do it, Mr. Jesus. But they're not really interested in others knowing that they are actually committed to Jesus. That's the difference between a fan and a follower. A fan just shows up there. They'll stay as long as it benefits them but if it doesn't benefit them to hang around, they usually don't. As long as they're happy, they'll show up, but they often get easily offended when things don't go their way. Fans or followers of Christ, it's a good question for the day we live in, for a culture that we live in. Deciding to follow Jesus is, well, we could probably put it like this. It's kind of like setting up a lemonade stand. It, it, let me ask you this. Have you or your kids ever set up a lemonade stand? Raise your hand. Yeah, a lot of y'all. So y'all relate to this. So what we do, the little kid's like, man, I'm not, dad, you're not giving me enough allowance. I want to set up a lemonade stand so dad helps them get their little booth set up. And, and they put lemonade and they put the L backwards just so the other people go, oh, this, she doesn't know how to spell. We need to give her money. <laughs> And so they make pretty good, I mean, selling that lemonade for 50 cents. And then, then someone comes along and, and they, uh, they, they have the uh, baseball tournament and they invite you to come to the baseball tournament and sell lemonades. Well, you're like, well, I got to order more lemons and, and uh, I'm going to raise my price to $2 a, a glass because inflation. And, and I might have to hire some help and might have to put together a spreadsheet so we'll know how to how to make this and pretty soon at some point in time we have to make up our mind am, am I going to be a lifelong lemonade person or am I just doing this for a hobby following Jesus is a little bit like this are we going to do it for the long run or is it something that's just kind of Something that we're doing as we're passing through this stage or this season of life. <laughs> Today, I'd like to examine our relationship with Jesus. And I realize for some of you here, may, this may be your first or second or third time to the Lone Star Cowboy Church, and you're just kind of like, 
dating. I get that, and, and I respect that. So you can just listen along here and just kind of, uh, whatever you think is okay with me. Uh, Maybe you're not really ready for the DRT talk, but, but I think to most of us in the room, uh, Jesus would like for us today, if you don't mind, to have this conversation to define the relationship, to find where we stand with Jesus. Today, we'll take a look at Christ's invitation in uh, Luke chapter 9, 23 really does say it all. It says, if anyone would come after me, Seek after me. So if anyone would, we use the word bird dog after Jesus. Let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Jesus talked to a man named Nicodemus. You remember that story. Nicodemus was a leader of the Pharisees, which was a leader of the church. And Jesus told the leader of the church, you must be born again. It's not enough for you just to be in church because just being in church doesn't make you a Christian any more than living in a barn makes you a cow. <laughs> you must be, he didn't say, think about it or if you want to, but he said, if you want to be a part of my kingdom, you must be born again. Oh, by the way, Nicodemus came to him at night. When it was dark, hope nobody's watching. I'm going to go to Jesus. Jesus said, you must be born again. And he explained to him that being born of the flesh is the flesh, but being born of the spirit is something different than what you've experienced. And we've all got the being born of the flesh business down because every one of us were born of the flesh. But now being born of the spirit, we are born again because we have been born of the Spirit and we've invited Christ to come into our lives. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself, but you must be born again and accept me as your personal Savior and I will be the one who gives you new birth because I'm all about life and I'm not about aborting something that is intended to be born and you are intended to be born and not aborted just like every other little baby in the world. Had to throw that two cents in. So some, some of you are kind of like what you, have, what you have going and this idea of being more committed and this idea of taking, taking your relationship with God to another level. You might get anxious uh, uh, when they ask the question, where do you stand with Jesus? And here's how we'd like to ask this question. Are you a fan or a follower? Why would we ask that question? Because really we're all followers, right? That's why we're here. Uh, let's not jump to the answer, to the conclusion of that answer until we get through here. The word fan is defined as an enthusiastic admirer. If we are fans of Jesus, we are enthusiastic admirers. I went to uh, Cody Johnson, Darla and I went to Cody Johnson's concert at, at Houston year before last. And I looked over at Darla and I said, everybody knows these songs. He must really be popular. And he had a lot of fans. But it's one thing to be a, a fan, but it's also another thing to be a follower. Do we follow Jesus and in his footprints and honor his word for us and deny ourselves because it's not about just coming to a concert and knowing the words to the songs. It's not about just knowing what the Bible and, and bringing your Bible to church and reading your Bible, but, but, but being the first one to that scripture because you know your Bible better than any, you, you read that and you, and you try to find you the scripture. Does anybody do that? You try to find the scripture before anybody else on your row and like, I already got it. 
Sometimes we come together as, as fans. We sit down in our seats, we applaud at certain times, and we leave somehow thinking that as the fans, it was all done for us. We get in our cars and we evaluate the sermon. We kind of give the service and the song selection a thumbs up or a thumbs down or three stars or five stars as we come back and do it again the next week. And we can become familiar with the familiar. And if we're not careful, we become and we develop a familiar spirit with the things that God has really blessed us with tremendously. So we can feel pretty good about ourselves because we're these great admirers of Christ, but the problem is Jesus never really wanted any fans to start with. Jesus isn't even impressed with fans because he had a lot of fans until he gave the little speech, unless you eat of my flesh and drink my blood, which he was actually saying, unless you're willing to take up your cross as I'm willing to take my cross, if you're willing to take up your cross and follow me, you can't be a part of my kingdom. And the Bible says from that moment on, many followed at a distance. In other words, they weren't really followers. They were just fans because they didn't want to get that close to Jesus. So if we'll be honest with ourselves, if we really search our hearts and begin the DTR, Define the relationship with Jesus. There are three questions for you that we really need to answer today. The first one is, obviously, I think, why are you here? It's a good question, isn't it? Because the why part will always motivate you more than the what part. The why you are here because we know that Jesus is the Lord. We know that Jesus is God. We know that Jesus came and created this world. And Jesus so loved God, so loved the world that he gave his son. So whosoever believes in him should not repair. But just knowing that and just knowing the word of God is not enough. We need to have a personal relationship and own what he has asked us to own, which is the love that he has for us to take it personal. Do you love me? That's a good question. Verse two says, it says after in John chapter six, Jesus is in the height of his ministry. And we read that large crowds were following Jesus. He is very popular working miracles. He was providing food from just five loaves of bread and a few fish to a lot of people that were in the crowd following Jesus. And then in verse two realizes why he realizes why they are coming. In verse two, it says that they were coming because of the miracles. In other words, here's Jesus, and I'm gonna get into this, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrap this deal up with, with Jesus feeding the 5,000, but uh, a, a little brief part about that was that Jesus fed the 5,000 plus the, the, the women and children. There's a boatload of people there. And then the Bible says that they, after he fed them that that evening that he got in the boat and he went to the other side and all the people stayed there. Apparently they got really full and they were, after they were really tired and you know what you do after that, right? Take a nap. Jesus, they'll go to sleep and, and then they wake up the next morning and they're like, what's for breakfast? And Jesus is gone. He went to the other side. Oh, well, brunch would be okay. Let's go to the other side. So they go to the other side. What's for, what's for lunch? And then this is what Jesus' response was. Hey, we're not here for the, the bread and the fishes. It's not because I can work miracles for you that I want you to follow me. Fans only follow for the miracles. Now, I'll say this. We have cookies and donuts for the fans and some of the followers because we want the fans to come to church. 
because that's how you become a follower. <laughs> and so, so if you're a fan today, don't think that this is a message of condemnation. I, I hope that you take it as a message of hope that you have a blessing coming your way because God wants to have more for you than just the miracles that he can produce in your life. Why are you here? In that passage, Jesus challenges the fans to a deeper, more intimate relationship with him. Verse 66 is uh, where we read, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Hey, if you're not going to give me what I want, Jesus, I'm out of here. Church is not about you getting what you want. <laughs> Church is about God getting what he wants. It's not a popular message. In fact, many people don't like it whenever you start talking about, well, you, you mean I can't have what I want? Well, a lot of times you're going to get what you want, but it's not really what God wants for you. So we have to make up our mind. Do we want what God wants for us? Do we want, are we willing to deny ourselves and know that his best is what's really best for us? Or do we think that our best is what's best for us? So that's the challenge we have today so that we can understand that when we come for him, when it's not about us, then he makes it about us. So a lot of them left. A lot of, the, a lot of his followers like, hey, if I can't have scrambled eggs, bacon, and pancakes, I'm out of here. For Jesus, his because why is what he wants to have Jesus wants to have a deep relationship with us. And the why is, is because he loves us and cares for us. So the question is, are, the second question is, are you all in? Are you all in? <laughs> because if you're not all in, then you're not really in. <laughs> Being a follower of Jesus requires complete commitment. A follower of Jesus will do whatever it takes to follow on the whole we don't do too well with absolute commitment in America. I think we prefer selective commitment. Simply put, we customize our, we customize our own Christianity. We rewrite the book to fit our own word. That's why we as a society are in the shape we're in. Too many people rewriting God's book to fit their own world and redefining things in life like, uh, you know what? Oftentimes we look at our relationship with Jesus and say, I'm going to follow Jesus, but I'm going to kind of pick and choose the areas in which I will follow him. When I follow him, where I follow him, how I follow him, what I do when I follow him. I'm going to make up my mind what I'm going to do. So a guy named Kyle Edelman put it this way. He said, Jesus does not hold back with Nicodemus. Following Jesus would require a commitment that would cost Nicodemus a great deal. In fact, it's true throughout all the scripture. Following Jesus isn't something you can do at night or at night where no one notices it is a 24-hour-a-day commitment that will interfere with your life. That's not the small print. It's a guarantee. Revelation 22, 19, it says, if anyone takes, there's that word anyone again, takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. So you say, well, I'll follow Jesus but don't ask me to forgive the person that hurt me. It's the but that's a problem, right? 
but I'm going to let go of that resentment, but I'm not going to let go of my bitterness. I deserve that. And I'll follow Jesus, but don't talk to me about money. I work hard for my money. Let me tell you something. If you belong to Jesus, your money belongs to Jesus. And if your money doesn't belong to Jesus, you can finish that one. Because it's, Jesus doesn't make it about the money. He never ever makes it about the money. He always makes it about his love for people. But he also said to deny ourselves. And in every area of our lives, if we don't make that total commitment to God, uh, we are redefining, attempting to redefine the word of God. It says, I'll follow Jesus, but don't tell me I can't have sex outside of marriage. I can't help the fact that I have these desires. We'll get married. <laughs> so here's the deal. Here's the talk. Divine the relationship. Well, I love her, but, well, if you love her, marry her. If you don't love her, quit living with her. And if, and if he doesn't love you enough to marry you, he really doesn't love you. <laughs> Don't ask me to abstain. That's what, that's what, you know. Okay, I'll go as long as I'll love Jesus and everything, but... Mm. I'm a follower of Jesus, but I won't it won't stop me from getting what I want. So it's this customized Christianity that says, I'll follow Jesus, but only in the areas that are comfortable, only in areas that I agree with. Let me tell you something. This type of thinking has infiltrated America and it's infiltrated the church. And let me tell you something. The church needs to hear this. This isn't for people that aren't in the church. This is for us today. And we must understand that we can't rewrite the word of God and still have the blessings of God. I'm a Christian, but I'm not all in. Well, then, are you really a Christian? We are not followers of Christ if he hasn't led us where we are. You see, there's not a second option for a selective commitment. It's not a possibility. It's kind of like, I'm a cowboy, and I, I think I'm a good horse trader, and I'm a good negotiator. So I can negotiate with somebody that I'm trying to buy a horse from. This is not a negotiable thing, this thing called our relationship with God. And, and we can't bleed over our thinking into that because we say, we are a performance-based society. And we give a lot of allegiance to those who are gifted, much more allegiance to people who are gifted than to those who are less gifted. In other words, when, when, when uh, that's the reason we have superstars in, in sports. And, and if, if uh, man, I was trying to think of somebody that on the, Texans football team that we would be amazed with. I can't think of anybody right now. Uh, if, if, if there was somebody from a NFL football team that we all knew, no, don't tell me. It's okay. Uh, you all get the picture, I hope. But we, if we're not careful, we will bring, we will elevate people according to their performances. And then what happens is in our marriages, if, if our spouse doesn't perform the way we think he or she should, 
and we compare them with somebody else. I'm not a fix-it guy. I'm not very good at fixing anything except horses, and that's not impressive. But like, like Darla's like, well, look at, look at, what is his name? He fixes everything around. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But Darla loves me because of who I am, not because I can't fix something. But we, we cannot base our relationship with each other. Like, like there's, there's kids today that base, does anybody here, any of your kids or even adults, do you remember when you really, it really came full picture that your mom and dad wasn't perfect? It's like, oh goodness, I thought they were perfect. <laughs> and if, if we're not careful, we will become, we will get let down because they didn't fulfill and perform the way we thought that they should. They missed a base, baseball game, they missed, they didn't do this or they didn't do that. Then we begin to, then a lot of kids judge their parents and go, you're just not a very good dad because once your name's dad does this. And we're performance-based, and if we're not careful, we will love people according to their performance instead of according to who God actually made them to be. It's not about at all what we do. Our value comes because of who we are. We need to hear this today. The church needs to hear that we can, I mean, if, if... Okay, George Strait, if he walked into the building, some of you girls, some of you ladies, the older ladies probably. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, George, I've seen it. I've seen it. George. Y'all need to cut that out. (laughs) Don't be elevating George Strait just because he sings good or because you think he's good looking. Some of y'all ain't buying what I'm selling, but this was the this was the message, though. Because <laughs> we got to go all in with Jesus. Because the problem is, and I'm just gonna get off of my notes for a minute. But the problem is, is we begin to define our relationship with Jesus according to how He performs. for us and according to what he does or doesn't do for us. There's somebody here today, you've been mad at God because he didn't do what you thought he should do. The truth is, is that we are not God. And so many people so desperately want to be God. See, that's what Adam and Eve, in the day that you eat of this fruit, you'll become as as God. Let me tell you something. It's a dead-end road. That's what he's saying. Deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. It's a dead-end road for Randy Weaver to get what Randy Weaver wants in the flesh. It's a dead-end road. And we have to all understand that God getting what he wants is the very best for each one of us. The third question, have you made it your own? Even, have you made it your own? Some some husbands come because their, their, their wife would like for them to come. Some come for the singing. Some come because the band is really amazing. Some come because your parents made you come. Let me just say this. To define this relationship, why are you here? Are you here because of somebody else's expectations? Or have you personally defined this relationship and said, this relationship is for me. It's not because my mom has asked me to come to church. It's not because my wife or my husband has asked me to come to church. It's not because my best friend has asked me to come to church. I am here because I have made up my mind that I need a savior. And I understand that God loved me so much that he gave his own son that if I would just believe in him, that 
that I can have eternal life and I can have a relationship with it. It's got to be your own. It's got to be your own. So let me, let me, let me wind up with this. Luke chapter eight, Max Lucado, I love his stuff. He said this, he said, because of the increasing hostility from the Pharisees and the Sadducees, <clears throat> Jesus stopped going to the synagogues. <laughs> Don't raise your hand, but is there anybody here that you quit church at one point in time because people were stupid? <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> It wasn't like he quit going to church. He started having church out on the hillside. And you can have church anywhere, as long as Jesus shows up, because that's the main thing, is to have Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're in a building or on the hillside. But Jesus stopped going to the synagogue because the church people didn't want Jesus because at some point in time, he had to define the relationship conversation with those people and the Sadducees and the Pharisees they didn't want anything to do with Jesus because his message convicted them you know why they called him the Sadducees right because they didn't believe in the resurrection they were sad you see right <laughs> so Jesus he emphasized that not only must we hear God's word but we must act on them too. And if Jesus has the power to feed over 5,000 people, he certainly has a good reason for the words he gives us. 5,000 men and their families surround us, surround Jesus. They're getting hungry and the disciples, they're getting pretty antsy. And in chapter nine, verse 12, it says, late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said what that tells me is that they had him a little committee meeting and they had a discussion amongst themselves and they decided that they really knew what was best for Jesus and what Jesus needed to do because they had it all figured out because they had a meeting and it was like, hey, the 12 came to Jesus. Well, yeah, that's what we need to tell him. Stay right there. The 12 came, the three words imply an adjourning meeting. A committee had been formed, convened and dismissed all in the absence of Jesus. The disciples didn't consult their leader. They just described the problem and then told him what to do. It went like this. Problem number one, location. Jesus, this is a lousy location. In Luke 9, 12, it says, we are in a remote place. In case you didn't really know it, Jesus, I know you've been busy preaching to these people and everything, but have you looked around lately? There's not a Chick-fil-A anywhere. There's not, we can't, there's no restaurants around. Problem number two, it's already very late, March 6:35. Problem number three, budget. John chapter six, Philip, the deacon in charge of finances produce, produces a just printed pie chart. It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one of these, each one to have even a bite. Jesus, I know you've been busy, but you really, you, you really need to listen to us. <laughs> I'm just gonna pause there for a minute. You're not really, you, 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 Jesus. It's not about what you think right now. I mean, like, you, you really need to hear this. I don't know about you, but I detect a little bit of an attitude going on here. These phrases, we're in a remote place. 
who picked this venue? <laughs> it's already late. Whoever preached forgot to watch the clock. You know them preachers, they're always preaching too long. Jesus, I know it. It was pretty important stuff you'd be saying that, but you know how late it is? You ever been to a black church? They go all day. Love them people. I pre I've preached at some of them. It's like by the time you get through, they, they're wanting you to go on and go more. Like, we need to learn from that. I mean, like, like, the more you cheer me on, you can forget about the roast. <laughs> the third thing is we would, we would all have to work a month. And what they were saying, why didn't these people think ahead? Why didn't they bring their own food? Why didn't they bring their own food? The disciples' frustration borders on downright irreverence. Rather than ask Jesus what to do, rather than ask Jesus what to do, they tell Jesus what to do. Y'all with me? There's a big difference between asking the master. It's like, it's like if you... Uh, uh, if, if, who's the computer guy that's, oh, that, that built all the computers? Bill Gates. Like if your computer breaks, if you're Bill Gates' son, what are you gonna do? Gonna go to Bill Gates. If you wanna learn how to rope and you're the son of Trevor Brazil, what are you gonna do? You're gonna go to Trevor Brazil. Well, if you're a child of God and you got a problem, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? <laughs> Sends the crowd, he send the crowd, send the, this is what they said, send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and buy food and lodging because we are in a remote place. The disciples basically tells Jesus to tell the people to get lost. I hear a lot of rumbling about Montgomery County growing. And it's true, Montgomery County is growing. And it, like we want that old hometown thing. But let me tell you something. I truly honestly believe that Jesus is sending people to Montgomery County so that they can learn more about Jesus because that's who we are called and what we're called to do. So instead of complaining about the growth and the traffic jams. Oh, I'm preaching to myself. <laughs> we need to be grateful that God has brought this opportunity to Montgomery County so that we can spread the light and let Jesus, let more people in on what Jesus is doing. The disciples, uh, this wasn't one of their finer moments. Really, they should have known better. Uh, this is not the first problem they've seen Jesus face or fix. Push rewind, make a list of miracles they've witnessed. They've watched the water turn in wine, the boy healed in Capernaum, a boatload of fish caught in Galilee. They've seen Jesus raise a little girl from the dead, banish demons, heal several paralytics, and one mother-in-law, they've watched Jesus steal a storm, resurrect a, a widow's son, and stop a 12-year hemorrhage. You might say that they had the memory of a goldfish. They say goldfish can only remember 10 seconds. Like if you get him out of the water and throw him back in, 10 seconds later, he's good. They say an elephant can Remember forever. They got great memories. Well, I would just say this, that many remember what they need to forget and forget what they need to remember. They forgot who Jesus was and focused on what they wanted instead of what Jesus wanted for them. Does John or Peter or James raise their hand and say, hey, I've got an idea. Let's go to the one 
who stilled the storm and raised the dead. Maybe, just maybe, Jesus has a suggestion here. Let me just say this. The mistakes of the disciples not, was not that they calculated the problem, but they calculated the problem without Jesus. In giving Jesus no chance, they gave their day and no, no chance. Some of them said this, they said many Christians are Christians theologically, but atheists practically. In other words, when it comes down to the practicality of living for Jesus, we live like atheists. In other words, we don't really believe everything that's in there. I don't always understand. In fact, there's a lot of things. I just don't understand in our society and in our culture today. But one thing I do know is that God knows best for all of us. When we first started this church, I didn't really want to be, I didn't want to be a pastor of a church. I just kind of wanted to be, I just wanted to have a little Bible study. So we named, you, you may not know this, the, the first name of this church was Montgomery Cowboy Fellowship. I didn't want it to be a church because I was like, if it's a church, then I'm a pastor. And if I'm a pastor, we got more problems. <laughs> it's a terrible attitude. <laughs> I'll never forget, after we purchased this property, we had a tent there and we realized on Easter Sunday it wasn't going to fit everybody in there. So we put bleachers up underneath those oak trees and we thought, man, this is going to be a beautiful Easter service. Well, Sunday morning at seven o'clock in the morning, it was pouring rain down. Not pouring, it was misty rain. Just, you know what I'm saying, misty. And uh, 415 people showed up in the rain and stayed for church in the rain. And when that happened, First of all, I saw how hungry people were for God in this area. But secondly, I went to the Lord and I said, God, we don't want this many people coming to church here. We don't want that. And I told him, I said, God, I can't handle 415 people. Uh, I think maybe a couple hundred might be, we might be good with a couple hundred. And the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, well, Randy, you can shut that, you got a gate? You can shut that gate after 200 people show up. Don't tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. He's like, well, I know we can't do that. But he spoke to my heart and he said, Randy, if you'll ask me to help you, I'll help you. And however many people show up, it won't be about you, and it won't be about how popular you are, or it won't be about your performance. It'll be about me and about what I can do in people's lives. And as long as you're making it about you, it'll never be about me. And so you need to get off of that right now and step aside and let me have this. And I'll help you if you'll ask me. And if the day ever comes when you stop asking, I'll stop helping. And you know what I was doing before church this morning in the, in the green room in there? I was on my knees asking. And I've never failed to ask. And he's never failed to help. But it can't be about who's preaching. It can't be about who's leading worship. It can't be about, we, we, 
this church, and I'll say it till the day I die, it's his church. It's not my church. It's not even your church. It's his church, and we come for him. And when we make it about him, my goodness, when we make it about him, boy, he pours out the blessings and the power of the Holy Spirit comes on us. And whenever we hear the phrase define the relationship, we say, yes, God, I want to be in your kingdom. And God help me to embrace the process of denying myself daily and taking up your cross and follow you. I fail every day, but I don't like it. So I'm going to stay closer to you every day and I'm going to get better every day. God's not called you to perfection, but he has called you to his presence. And that's why we have church. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your love. My goodness, we are so, so uh, set back by your presence today and in and the introspection of our relationship with you, oh God. I pray for every individual, oh God, here today, everybody watching online, I pray, oh God, that you would just infiltrate our thinking to understand that your word in us and the power, the power of surrendering our will and embracing your will daily, Ah, it's such a privilege. And we thank you for it, in Jesus' name. I'd like for you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. This morning, if you've never accepted him as your personal savior, the truth is that we all sin. We've all sinned. I've sinned. Everybody's sinned. Come short of the glory of God. But he also said this. He said, if we confess our sin, he would be faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So our job is to confess that we are sinners, that we need a savior. And his job is to forgive. But in order for his forgiveness to happen in your life, you have to accept him and ask for that forgiveness. There's something about humbling ourselves before God and saying, God, no longer am I gonna make it about you. About me, I'm gonna make it about you. And, and I need your help in my life and I need your presence. And I know I need that. So this morning, if you've never accepted him as your savior, maybe if you have and you just, you've been showing up, but you, you've never really given your heart to Jesus, simply by raising your hand, say, preacher, I need Jesus in my heart. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Yep, thank you. Leave your hands up. I want to put Bibles in your hands. Yep, back in the back. Yep, thank you. Yep, thank you. Thank you. Leave your hands up till we get a Bible in it, please. And then you can put it down after you get your Bible. Preacher, that's me. Thank you, partner. I'm so proud of you. God bless you, man. It's a privilege. Anybody else? Holy Spirit's moving on people's hearts right now. I'm so grateful that you're willing to define the relationship. It's not that you're going to be perfect, but you'll have Jesus to help you now. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. Anybody? Slip your hand up high. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. If you raise your hands, I want you to look up at me. If you raise your hands, come on up here and let me pray with you. Back in the back, all over. Come on up. Come on up. Everybody raise your hands. Come on. I'm so proud of y'all. Back here. Come on, baby. So proud of you. Bless your heart. Bless you. So proud of you. Bless you. I'm so proud of you. Yeah, thank you, buddy. Man, I'm proud of you. Best thing you ever did in your life. Be a fan. Bless you. Yeah, that's right. Bless you. Anybody else? Yep. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Okay, look here. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God's raised him from the dead, that we'll be saved. I can help you pray. You have to believe in your heart, though. It's your job to invite him to come in your life and say, God, I'm yours. Whatever that looks like, I'm all in. And what a privilege to be all in with God. So proud of you guys. So what I want to do, I want to help you pray. And y'all repeat after me, okay? Just say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross. 
for my sins. Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. From this day forward, I give my life to you. Help me read my Bible. Pray. Show up for church. And get baptized. I love you, Jesus. Teach me to love you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 The teaching, the, what we prayed, teaching us to love him more. It, it, it's kind of like in my relationship with my wife, I thought that I was in love when we got married. But looking back, I didn't know what love is. I do now after 33 years. I feel like I do, but your love for God will grow. Let me caution you. Don't live your life by your feelings. The biggest deceiver is like next Sunday morning, you might not, you won't feel the same way you feel now. But there'll be that peace in there. And that's God in you and with you. But you we do the right thing because we know it's the right thing, whether we feel like it or not. Does that make sense? So I just encourage y'all, y'all have the same problems that you had when you came, but God's with you now. Amen. He'll help you to make the right choices and the right decisions. And he's not ever going to leave you. He won't ever forsake you because he loves you just like that. Go visit these folks over here for just a second if you don't mind. Thank you so much. I'm proud of you guys. Stand with me, please. I knew this morning when I got up, I get up early and study. And I knew it, the, the message didn't, it didn't resonate with me until, until this morning. And I knew at that point in time that there was, there was some, some choices and decisions that would be made today that would be, that would affect people's lives for eternity. I wanna ask, y'all a question from the, the, the defining of the relationship perspective is, is there anything in your life that you have held back from God that the Holy Spirit has convicted you of during the church service and, and what, what happens is the, the, the Holy Spirit he, he starts in our heart and then he it, it, it kind of uh, marinates on up into your head and you get to thinking about it, it's like, oh yeah, you know, there's, there is something in my life that, that I've kind of, I've, I've tried to redefine and, and, and change to fit what I want. And, uh, and now you know what it is, but you're like, this is the big deal. You're like, I just want what God wants for me. And I am through trying to make up my own word and I'm gonna live by God's word. So how many of us, raise your hand this morning and you'll say, you know, there's some things in my life that I've, I've tried to hang on to and I need to let go of it. Raise your hand. Yeah, I'm so proud of y'all. That's what I love about this church. Y'all are just so, so, uh, you know, Jesus said this, I, I know, oh God, help me. Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. Jesus came not to condemn you, but to save you. And we want this message today not to be a message of condemnation. If you're feeling condemnation now, that's not from God, that's from the devil. And I feel like I'm supposed to say this to somebody. This is not a message of condemnation. It's a message <coughs> of hope and a message of strength and confidence that God wants to put in you. And so um, just take that home with you and understand that 
Jesus isn't here to condemn. He's here to save. And I want to pray for you. Everybody raise your hand, raise your hand. And if you didn't raise your hand and you want to raise your hand anyway, do that. So Lord, we raise our hands and surrender you, understanding that you are Lord and Savior. Lord, we just declare right now that we thank you that you are our Savior. But Lord, we want you to be our Lord, to, to be the Lord of our lives. In other words, we want to surrender. And I pray, oh God, that you would help us to deny ourselves and to take up your cross and follow you daily, oh God. May we prioritize you your word, your will, and your heart in our lives, in our family lives, in every relationship, Lord. Help, help us not to elevate people because of their performance, but to elevate people because you created them and because of who they are. Help us to love other people that are unlovable because they have value uh, they don't even know about. Help us to love everybody and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And the church said, I love y'all. Thank you. God bless you. Thanks for coming. We got our prayer team up here. If you need special prayer, love to have you.